when I was meeting with him versus when I was meeting with my professors at college is that uh, I, I went to a big university, lots of students, and it was usually me, one of some, at, at the smallest, one of 15, 20 kids in a classroom, but sometimes there were hundreds of kids in a classroom. So I never had that one-to-one -one time with any of my professors, but with Pastor, it was almost always one-to-one. -one. On this episode of General Order 4, we will be continuing our discussion on having a life of discipleship. Today, we're going to be interviewing Pastor Brian Stewart along with Craig Doman, who is a deacon in his church. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. My name is Simeon Brazel. I'm a missionary to Australia, and I'm joined as always by Pastor Brian Stewart. If you would go ahead and say hi, Pastor. Hello. And today we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to do an interview again, uh, but this time I'm not going to be interviewing Pastor Stewart. Instead, uh, we have a special guest uh, by the name of Craig Doman. And uh, Craig is a deacon at Pastor Stewart's church, and they have a very interesting discipleship relationship. And so today we're going to be going into that and asking a few questions, trying to discover a bit about the relationship that they have developed and uh, how that affects uh, their ministry there in discipleship and different things. So, uh, uh, Craig, it's good to have you. Simeon, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Alrighty, so we are going to um, just go ahead and jump right in. Uh, Craig, if you could just kind of introduce yourself, tell people what you do for a living, and uh, give us your, your salvation testimony real quick. Sure. So again, my name is Craig Doman. I am a real estate agent in Southern Indiana and a uh, and a deacon here at Pastor Brian's Church. And um, I actually I grew up in Northwest Indiana. And I grew up in a, a good family, a good family that took care of me, a uh, good school system, uh, safe neighborhood. Uh, it was really the, the quintessential American dream of just growing up um, with good opportunities. Lots of friends, uh, played just about every sport I could growing up. And uh, in, uh, in Indiana, we, uh, we love basketball here, so I love basketball. Right. <laughs> but... Um, but I, I really grew up in uh, somewhat of a virtual reality. I, I definitely was surrounded. I, I'm a millennial, grew up uh, with the internet around me, movies, mm -hmm. TVs, I mean, everything that I could, video games. Uh, that was really what I did for any free time outside of school and sports. And um, and that's really, when I did those things, that's that's where I, 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 I felt alive. I felt like a mm -hmm. lot of my emotions came from that. Um, and I realized looking back, a lot of that, um, it, I had a lot of things doing the thinking for me. I had people telling me what to do. I had movies telling me this is how I should feel, these right. different things. And so um, so that's really the where how I grew up was um, somewhat in a virtual reality. In reality, I was, uh, I struggled. Um, I, I was never open with people, with even close friends, with family that I was struggling on the inside, especially when I got to high school. Um, there was times I, I didn't know if I wanted to continue living and it was, uh, it was, I, I was smiling on the outside again. I had lots of friends, but nobody really knew that I was struggling that much. Right. Coming to college, um, I joined a fraternity and, um, uh, I became close friends with a few guys that, uh, quickly I found out that they were, they were Christians. Um, it was a fraternity that uh, it wasn't a Christian fraternity, but there just happened to be 10 to 15 guys that were Christians in this fraternity. But mm -hmm. uh, if you're familiar with anything that has to do with fraternities, there was still the normal partying, the normal, um, that kind of lifestyle in college. So uh, the school still was not that important to me. I wasn't 
really focusing on that. But um, but I became close friends with these guys, and I developed a relationship with them that I was around them 24-7. And I started to attend some of the Bible studies that they attended, mm-hmm. some college ministries that they were going to, and I realized there was something different about these guys. And I felt comfortable around them, and I also felt comfortable talking about some of the struggles that I went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I quickly realized there was two things that were different about them, and that was that they they read the Bible and talked about the Bible, and they talked about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was intrigued. I was like, this is, I've been searching my whole life for something. I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, I think this is it. And so I spent every, every ounce of extra time with them, asking them questions, going to these different things that they were going to, uh, relating to the Bible. And eventually, um, after seeing a testimony of over 10 guys consistently for about a year, uh, Jesus changed my life uh, my sophomore year of college. And so um, it was it was just an interesting way that God brought me to uh, to college and into fraternity, not not the uh, most typical way to, to find Christ. But that's, right. that's where I found him. Or I should say that's where he found me. So. No, that's great. That's great. So um, <clears throat> that that testimony is not one that you hear very often that somebody got saved in college. Um, and if they do, generally speaking, uh, it's not in the everyday throes of college life that they got saved. It was somebody pulling them out or taking them to church or something like that. So that's that's interesting. Um, and I, I think it brings up an interesting point, too, that we often overlook uh, college students because we have this idea that for some reason that ministry is inaccessible or college students aren't interested in hearing the truth. So I think that's an encouragement for people to hear that that college students aren't unreachable, that they're looking for something and the truth can break through in their life. It also, I think, is an encouragement for people to live out their Christian life because what you're saying is essentially you got saved because there were people who were living out their Christian life, right? Absolutely. And growing up, I, I had lots of questions. I had, you know, I remember asking my parents, what's the difference between Catholicism and Christianity? I remember asking a teacher, she was teaching, I think in seventh grade about uh, the Greek gods. And she said that they're immortal. And I said, well, if they're immortal, where are they today? I mean, I had these questions, but nobody ever gave me mm-hmm. solid answers. And that I didn't find that until college when people actually gave me answers that made sense and uh and were the truth that's good so uh, let me let me ask you this how does the connection between your salvation and you actually meeting pastor stewart and getting plugged in how, how does that connection happen great question and one of my buddies at in my fraternity uh he was one of the guys i looked up to um he invited me to church one day and I knew, well, that's what Christians do. I know they go to church on Sunday. I actually visited several churches uh, in town. And then I ended up going to with him uh, here to where uh, Pastor Stewart, I don't even think was pastoring yet at the time, um, but he invited me to church. And after I got saved, I realized, okay, this is what I'm gonna start doing on Sunday mornings. Um, and Pastor Stewart started pastoring at our church, I believe within a month of, uh, of God saving me. Um, so we, uh, we didn't become close friends right away. I mean, he's, he's the new pastor there. We had a lot of people at our church and, um, but that was where our, I I believe our relationship began and pastor Stewart sometimes remembers more details than I do, but, um, but that's sort of the beginning. Good. So pastor Stewart, let me ask you this. You, um, when, when the two of you met and I, I guess Craig, did you just visit the church there? 
Yeah, I, I was just a visitor, and I mean, the pastor reminds me often, uh, I don't look the, the same way today that I did then. I was dressed a little bit differently <laughs> as a college student, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so Pastor Stewart, how did you how did you go about introducing yourself and then beginning to, for lack of better term, worming your way into his life and begin to teaching him? At first, I was just you know newly uh, starting to pastor the church here. I was trying to get to know everybody. Uh, Craig was a, a college young man uh, among two or three others that would come pretty regularly. They would be here usually probably three three Sundays out of the month at least. And uh, I believe it was about a month or two after uh, I was pastoring that he approached me uh, after a service and he asked me uh, if, uh, if I could mentor him. And I kind of played dumb on mentorship. I've, I've heard about it. I've, I've never actually had a professional uh, relationship where I've had mentored somebody. And so, but he, so I kind of played dumb. I said, well, I don't know a whole lot about mentoring, but I know a whole lot about discipling. And I explained discipleship to him. And he mm-hmm. says, well, that sounds like mentoring to me. Uh, let's do it. And so probably January, February uh, of that, uh, you know, about three months into that first year that I was here uh, was when uh, we started meeting week to week and started that discipleship. And I got to know him a little bit better and certainly our relationship grew as a result of that time together. So <clears throat> he didn't get saved in your church. No, sir. Began coming to church and then began asking you to essentially work him through the Bible, if you will, through discipleship. So you first had to have spent some time mining out what it is that he believed, how he got saved that kind of thing. Now, Craig, on your end, that kind of thing sometimes can feel like you're being judged or you're being is sometimes it like when people inquisition? are Yeah, yeah, so sometimes it can feel like, okay, so I say I'm a Christian and this guy doesn't believe me, you know? How how did that feel on your end and and how did you work through some of those those kind of things? Yeah, to be quite frank about it, I I really don't remember a whole lot and and I'll, I'll put it this way. I, I think it's in part because um, I didn't do a whole lot of thinking for myself. I think that mm-hmm. had to do with, again, back to how I was raised with being raised on uh, electronics, that when I had a lot of those conversations, a lot of that right now, honestly, is is uh, I, a lot of the memory comes from what Pastor Stewart tells me. So I don't remember having that specific conversation. I know it happened, um, but... But I, I, when I came here, what, one thing I can tell you is I, I never felt interrogated. It never felt like um, I wasn't welcome or that I had something to prove. It was, and, and that started with when I got saved with those guys that I was surrounded with, that I wasn't being judged for everything that I did. I knew I wasn't mm-hmm. perfect, but man, they accepted me. And that, that transitioned into when I attended, uh, attended church, that I, I, I had that same feeling of comfort and I, I can be who I am and, and not be afraid or ashamed of that. Right. So Pastor Stewart, how, kind of briefly explain how you went about confirming in your own thoughts that this person is indeed a Christian, that Craig, you know, maybe he got saved in circumstances that I wouldn't personally work it that way, but he is a Christian and now I can go about with the aid of the Holy Spirit, bringing him through the Scripture. Sure. Um, when we when we first started talking, I would have 
asked him about his testimony, asked him, you know, to share with me uh, what happened, where where he was, uh, if he was uh, put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I most likely I don't remember exactly how I did it all, but I know that when I meet with somebody, I usually will explain the gospel in very simple terms and then ask them if they've done that and and look to how they respond to that uh, and then also to see if they have a desire for the uh, the sincere milk of the word and if they mm-hmm. do then that's a good indicator uh, from scripture that we're going to uh, continue to pursue the other thing is uh, we can do the first couple lessons uh, because both of them are talking about salvation and so as long as there's a general idea that they are saved Mm-hmm. Then I can go into lesson one and two knowing that uh, there's a good likelihood, and if they are understanding the scripture, the Holy Spirit's revealing things to them, then that's a, another indicator to me that they truly did put their faith and trust in Christ. So, Craig, let me ask you this: the um, <clears throat> Pastor Stewart and you are now meeting. Uh, on a fairly regular basis anyway, how did that conversation uh, get rolling? Because Pastor Stewart basically said that you approached him about being discipled, which is which is pretty rare, honestly. Um, but so you're, you're obviously open to the idea of being instructed. So how did the conversation go where Pastor Stewart says, hey, I'd like to meet with you on a regular basis. And how much time would you say that you actually spent a week um, just being discipled by Pastor Stewart? So I believe it really just came up naturally in conversation, probably the when I approached him about so-called mentoring um, or discipleship that he just said, well, hey, you know, I'm I'm available uh, and, you know, we, we can meet once a week. Uh, I do remember the one of the main things was with him being a pastor and me being a college student. Sometimes I, I couldn't change my schedule as a college student, just like people at work can't always change their schedule. And right. Pastor Stewart was... He was very flexible. It was, you know, when when am I available? Um, he didn't make it necessarily, you know, overly easy, but he also wanted to make sure, hey, the, uh, you know, this kid's <laughs> wanted to meet with me. I want to be available to him. I think we started meeting in the mornings once a week uh, for maybe an hour or two. And I just remember it, it took, uh, going through it probably took a lot longer than, than normal because I had, you know, winter breaks, uh, summer vacations, other things, or sometimes right. I, I don't, I may have, there may have been times I just didn't show up or forgot about it. And, uh, I was very forgetful as, as a college student. So, um, he, he invited me to several other things other than just studying the scriptures. And we, you know, we had church activities and spending time around that as well. And I used to go to his house a lot too. So we, it was more than mm-hmm. just studying scripture. It was really, he was inviting me to see his lifestyle and, and, uh, his family and, and seeing what his whole life is like. So, so that discipleship was more of a relationship driven thing. It wasn't necessarily like, it didn't feel like he was grooming you for something. No, I I never felt or thought that way. One time it was very much, you know, we're friends and, uh, and yeah, it was a relationship. So let me ask you, how did you, what did you feel like Pastor Stewart's purpose was for spending all of this time with you? I, it's almost at, at times, and you got to remember, I was a college student at the time. I sometimes saw him as just another teacher. I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily say at the time I saw him as a. I mean, I called him pastor, but it was almost like another early on someone who else who was teaching me something else that can help me grow. Um, eventually, it became something more than that. But 
I think the big difference between when I was meeting with him versus when I was meeting with my professors at college is that uh, I, I went to a big university, lots of students, and it was usually me, one of some, at, at the smallest, one of 15, 20 kids in a classroom, but sometimes there were hundreds of kids in a classroom. So I never had mm -hmm. that one-to-one -one time with any of my professors, but with Pastor, it was almost always one-to-one. -one. So eventually it, it, it developed into, at least from my perspective of someone who, who cared about me and, and almost looked up to him like a, a, a parent figure, uh, so to speak. Good. So <clears throat> the, what, what I was driving for there was, um, the, the relationship side of things, because we've talked quite a bit about, uh, the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples relationship that Paul had with his disciples. It was a personal one. And, um, and it sounds to me like that's essentially what happened with you. It started out, um, you know, he wasn't grooming you to be something or trying to talk you into going to Bible college or, anything like that, um, just a relationship driven thing. So, um, <clears throat> at what point did you really get, uh, to where you felt like that you had responsibility, uh, to the church or to pastor, um, w the transition in other words, from I'm the one consuming to now I'm the one producing. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And, I, I would answer that, and I so I was early on heavily involved in uh, college ministries. It was probably I was more involved with those rather than the church, and I started to see some of the guys that I looked up to, my college buddies that were in leadership roles in these college ministries, and I said, "Oh, okay, you know, again, that just seems like the natural next step." Um, God's been working my life. I, I want to help others the way that He's helped me. And so I remember one day I approached uh, Pastor Stewart and I said, hey, I, I, I want to I wanna be a help. I can't remember if I said I wanted to lead or I wanted to help or I wanted to be involved in the young adults ministry uh, at our church. And he looked me straight in the eyes and said, well, unfortunately, Craig, I, I'd love for that to happen, but I, I can't allow you to do that because you haven't been in attendance on a regular basis. And and so I, I like I told you, I was sometimes skipping Sunday mornings, you know, not attending Wednesday night Bible studies. It just I was more involved with the parachurch organizations. And um, and so that that hit me. It really did. I said, well, yeah, I, I'm a good person. I, I can handle this. What you know, why? Why am I not able to do this? So it 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 really motivated me realizing, OK, maybe I, I, I need to consider doing more things with with the church because the 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 college ministries and the church I was going to, they weren't, they weren't affiliated. And so it was sort of mm -hmm. which, which one is going to consume my time. Um, right. So, right. So the pastor Stewart, the conversation there, you're, you're talking to a, a young college guy who doesn't have a lot of biblical history or knowledge. And you're trying to explain to him that the ministry is to take place within the local church, according to the new Testament. How does that conversation happen? How do you bring somebody from being steeped in uh, the only Christianity they know? In fact, the reason they got saved was because of parachurch organizations. How do you take Craig from, yeah. look, you got saved because of this, but that's not necessarily the way it's supposed to happen. I'm glad it happened, but it's not necessarily the way it's supposed to happen. This is how things are supposed to be done according to the, according to the Bible. How do you take the person from point A to point B? Good question. Um, 
how I would have approached that was because he brought that up. And I don't think at that point we had done the lesson where we teach the uh, uh, what the scriptures teach about the importance of the local church in our life and the, and the roles that it plays. And so because the Holy Spirit allowed him to uh, bring that up, it would have been a time where I would have uh, simply pointed out the obvious to answer the question that he brought up. But at the same time, uh, let him know that, hey, in, in about a month, we're going to be covering this, and I'll explain to you in more depth why uh, I've made this decision or why we're not able to do this. Uh, but I would have given him a quick uh, cursory answer and given him the principle or the truth from the scripture. I probably would not have taken him to the verses and actually showed him the verses because that's what we're planning on doing when we get done with the lessons we're working mm -hmm. on and that, that lesson. So because we have a plan, because we're intentionally teaching them, uh, now I know that, hey, I don't need to preempt this. I can answer this question. I can deal with whatever needs to be dealt with in the moment. But then knowing that, hey, in two weeks or in a couple weeks or in a couple months, we're going to be covering this in in more depth and help you to understand the importance of this. And so, uh, you know, I just encourage them to have patience and, and, and just basically give them enough so that they understand enough that they, hey, there is more here uh, than what is, uh, meets the eye and where they're at. Uh, you know, he, with Craig, and he and I have talked about this uh, at different times, there was a lot of things going on in his life. And although we're so thankful that the Lord uh, used those men and those people uh, at the school to bring him to a saving knowledge of Christ, uh, there were some deficiencies in those organizations that could not accomplish what God could do through the local church. And so, but I had to be very slow and very patient. And uh, uh, because of the slow and patient approach to intentionally teaching him the things that he needed to learn, over time, I let the Holy Spirit of God, really, I would teach the truth and let the Holy Spirit of God convince him that that was the truth and that was what he needed and that was the direction he needed to go in. Um, I want to really bear down on that for a second because you've both of you have referenced essentially that there is a relationship uh, that is at least semi-solid at this point. Um, when you begin to kind of break down some of those outside parachurch relationships with with Craig or it, it, both of you or whoever wants to answer this is fine. But, um, how, especially Craig, how in your heart and mind, that relationship is already solid for you. You're working with these organizations. You're working with people that are in these organizations. And now you have another authority figure in your life kind of walking you out of that. So how does that in your mind, you're trying to process all of these things. How do you, how did you come to the conclusion that Pastor Stewart is right and these other guys aren't necessarily, they're not bad guys doing bad things, but they're not doing it the right way? How, how, do you, how did you come to that conclusion? So <clears throat> I think the question led me in a, in a direction on, you, you said, how did I conclude that Pastor is right? I would, I would almost change that question and, and say, I didn't, I didn't think pastor is right. It was, this is what God's word says. That's good. That's and good. And what I mean by that is, so I remember I was going on a trip with one of the, with the, um, campus ministry that I was involved with, and it was going on the other side of the country and I was started raising support and 
or Pastor Stewart, um, he, he never told me not to be, a, never told me to, to not be a part of uh, the ministry, uh, the campus ministry, never, not to go on this trip. I think mm-hmm. he had his concerns for me, but he never said, don't do this, don't do that. Um, he wasn't micromanaging me and wasn't, uh, wasn't, you know, all in, in my life in the sense of anywhere that I didn't welcome him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was when he gave the truth, it was the Holy spirit of God that had to reveal to me, this, this is what I want you to do. And so that's, that's really how it happened. Um, was simply going through God's word and, and him revealing it to me. So what you're saying is essentially that the truth that you were given is what changed your mind, not necessarily your discipler, um, but rather that you, you were given the truth and you then had the opportunity to accept or reject that truth. Is that what you're saying? Yes, definitely. Because I remember almost every week when, when Pastor Stewart and I, when we met up uh, for going through the lessons and him teaching me the scriptures and uh, whenever he was teaching me anything, I would, one of the first things I would immediately do is run back to my fraternity and tell my fraternity roommate or my close friends about, Mm -hmm. Hey, I just learned this. And I would compare everything that he said, or that we were going through in the scriptures with what they thought. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I was genuinely still looking for answers. And, and the more that I learned about God's word, the more questions came up and I was figuring things out. But, um, but eventually I, I, one of the, the most awesome, uh, principles of scripture, comparing scripture with scripture. It's not mm-hmm. comparing scripture with what men think or whoever else thinks, or this, uh, book says it's comparing God's word with God's word. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that helped me a lot with, with answering those questions for myself and the truth solidifying in my heart. Right. And we've talked a bit about reconciliation, uh, pastor Stewart on the podcast here, um, mm-hmm. which is essentially what's happening in Craig's life at this point. You were going to say something. What yeah. was it? Yeah. Uh, what was happening on my side of the uh, of the relationship was that I I was being tempted to not be patient. Uh, I was tempted uh, to uh, I mean because the Holy Spirit was showing me things that were happening in His life that uh, I knew were wrong. I knew they mm-hmm. were going against Scripture, and I'm uh, just extremely grateful to the Lord that uh, I took the patient, slow approach, the intentional approach. Uh, with Craig, because I think if I would have uh, listed out a uh, you know a half a dozen things that were wrong, and I would have just told him he was wrong or he needed to change things, I think the whole relationship probably would have gone in a different direction. And so, it was by God's wisdom, His grace, and His restraint in my life for not attacking those clear areas that needed to be addressed, but by taking the long, slow approach. And letting the Holy Spirit do the work uh, has been probably one of the the greatest accomplishments in my life, and and that uh, in as far as discipleship goes, and the fact that that I I simply didn't do what my flesh wanted to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I did what the Spirit was leading me to do, and allowed God to bring uh, this young man to the point where he could be the the man of God that God wanted him to be. That sensitivity to the Holy Spirit when speaking to people is paramount. Um, so I, I let me ask you kind of maybe an off-topic question, Pastor Stewart, but um, when you were meeting with Craig, um, before you had that meeting, I'm, I'm sure you had a lot of things in your heart, a lot of things you wanted to talk to him about, and, and was there a back-and-forth 
between you and the Lord or you and the Holy Spirit saying like, this is stuff I want to talk to him about. And you're trying to figure out what the Lord wants you to do. Just kind of talk to me for a second about how that worked in your own life. Um, I know there were many times I wanted to bring up subjects uh, as we're as we're going, and I and I wanted to bring them up. What would have been, as we look back, would have been too early. Um, right. For instance, I I knew that his involvement with the fraternity and his involvement with uh, the organizations on the on the campus. I got involved with some of them, and they actually invited me to speak at a couple events uh, during that time. And, and I felt very uncomfortable because the leaders there, I, I think there was tension between us because of just the difference in uh, understanding of the scripture, the difference yeah. in uh, direction of how we wanted to approach ministry. Yeah, and, well, you're stealing their guy, right? And, and I think that's what they thought. Um, ultimately, I viewed it as I'm just sharing with this young man the truth, mm-hmm. and uh, if the Lord is drawing him to Himself, which is you know the, we understand there's only three organizations that God's ordained, and one of those is the local church, and that mm-hmm. is His means of uh, edifying and building up the believer. And so, not that I wanted to start a fight or I had any ill will towards any of the people on campus. My concern was for this young man that God has allowed me to, in a sense, adopt and uh, and take under my wing to share with him the things that God's taught me. And so there were a lot of times that there was a struggle in my mind, and it was, uh, I'm just thankful that the Lord restrained me from moving too quickly. Uh, and, and I think sometimes as pastors, we're we get to the point where we want to, we want, our motive is good, our intention is good, our desire is good, but our method sometimes can mm-hmm. be uh, counterproductive to what we're actually wanting to see happen in this person's right. life. Right. I think a lot of us, myself included, are are apt to get uh, the, the cart ahead of the horse and try to shove something down somebody's throat that they're not ready to hear or ready to understand. Um, sure. And being sensitive to the uh, growth in an individual's life is so incredibly important. And unless you're meeting somebody regularly and developing a relationship with that person, you don't have a pulse on where they are. Sure. So you had a pulse on where Craig was, it sounds like, and that's kind of the reason things worked out the way they did. And, and I think one of the other issues that has been very helpful in ministry and allowed for that patient approach is that I know if he'll stay faithful, that we're going to get to teaching him these things. And that, I think, mm-hmm. was one of the things that the Holy Spirit kept reminding me of is that, hey, just relax, Brian. <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah. I, I'm going to teach it to him, but I want to do it in my timing, not your timing. Right. And I, I think a lot of times um, those of us that, that like to call ourselves biblicists, we, we try to, uh, whatever denomination you are, but we try to teach people like almost immediately, hey, um, you're saved. That means that you need to read your Bible every day. You need to pray every day. You need to come to church every time the doors are open. And you need to totally and completely separate from all of the things in your past. Well, that's just, honestly, that's not realistic. This person, they have the Holy Spirit working in their life now. Let's let the Holy Spirit do that job. And let's just give them truth, right? Amen. Um, and that's what we should be doing anyway. But there is a tendency to try and fix the superficial 
um, before we fix the inside, and that and and we end up in deep waters there. So, Craig, let me ask you this: so you're you're at this point in your life, you are transitioning out of some of these parachurch kind of uh, ministries. And I hate using the word ministries because I'm not sure that's what they are, but um, you're, you're working yourself out of these parachurch organizations and plugging yourself deeper into the local church. So uh, how does that work for you? Um, how does that separation take place where um, you're telling guys that, hey, you know, I can't do this particular thing anymore? So God's timing is uh, always perfect, and it actually came into play with the question you're asking. It's, the, the answer is, so my my junior year, um, I was actually closest with most of the guys that were a year older than me. So after my junior year, they all graduated. I still had one year mm-hmm. left in college, and by that time, I think we had really gotten through the 16 lessons, and Pastor had had uh had given to me the foundation of the scriptures that we we teach here at church and um in my senior year i i i wanted to live in the fraternity again and and the desire was not to you know live the college life but it was to to help the the juniors the sophomores and the freshmen with teaching them the scriptures and being an example to them and we still had a bible study going Mm -hmm. and so that first semester i still lived in the fraternity and very quickly i realized i'm not having the kind of influence on other guys that i was hoping to and i think it's because i i always looked up to the guys above me but there there wasn't there was a few guys younger than me that were attending the bible study but not nearly as many that were either my age or older so the second semester of my my senior year the lord convicted me hey I need you to get out of there and so i actually moved out of the fraternity my second semester uh got an apartment on my own and uh And it was an extremely difficult decision because I still had friends in the fraternity, believers who I was friends Mm -hmm. with, um, but I could tell that we weren't going in the same direction uh, according to the scriptures. And so we, still friendly with them, I still saw them on a regular basis, but having that separation of, you know, this is this is what God was telling me to do, and that that allowed me, it freed up a lot of my time. Um, and that's really where I got to be a lot more plugged into into the church. So <clears throat> at what time did you begin actively not just consuming uh, information, but now you're witnessing and, and beginning to disciple other people? That transformation, when, when did that really take place where you, you figured out, hey, look, I'm not I'm no longer the consumer. Now I'm a contributor. I think it, it started just a natural progression in the church or in the uh, college ministry as well as the church. Like in, in the college ministry, we went door knocking on other fraternity doors. We uh, we went around campus and, uh, and and telling others about Christ, um, and we did that at the church as well. And so I really just started to participate in what others invited me to. Back to the fact that <laughs> I, I keep bringing it up, but I didn't do a whole lot of thinking for myself even still to this point. And so is what whenever somebody invited me to do something. I usually just made myself available and said, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So um, so whoever asked first or whoever asked most often, that's sort of what I got into. And I think somewhere along the lines that I started to make some of those decisions on my own and uh, and started to, I actually, my senior year is when I, I stopped attending a lot of the campus ministry stuff and I started to focus totally on the church. And I think by that time, I was more of becoming 
a producer. I, I wouldn't say I was a, a producer yet fully, but um, but mm-hmm. it, it was I, I saw that responsibility and I saw uh, others working in the church and I, I just I, I want to be a part of that. And so um, I know uh, looking back at it now too, Pastor Stewart, he he often he gave me small opportunities to do this, to do that once he saw that that God was working, that I was getting more on board. And, and once he realized that I was committed, that's when I think just more opportunities of responsibility started to present themselves. And, and I, I simply took them as they came. And those responsibilities, did they start out more service oriented and then kind of transition to teaching, witnessing, that kind of thing? Definitely. There was, there were small things uh, to do around the church. I know whether it was cleaning the church or um, the the church building, I should say, the church is the people, but church, right. cleaning the church building, and uh, and yeah, small stuff. I mean, we had we had different uh, opportunities uh, around around town. We 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 host a few things uh, to uh, to help out the community, and so mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of those were more physical aspect. I think in in hopes of you know ministering the word of God to them, but yeah, it was it was definitely a lot more physical at first. So you've been taking care of some physical needs for for different things, passing offering plates or whatever the the case was there. Um, But now you are growing, you're developing as a Christian. um, You're learning how to discover the Word of God for yourself. And at what point do you really begin taking on responsibilities of ministering within the church, um, uh, whether that be discipling other believers um, that you've witnessed to or, or what have you? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say there was you know this moment in time. Okay, now now it's time to start ministry. It was it right. I mean, it was a natural thing that progressed itself, and God's not going to give me anything I can't handle. I know that He tells me that in His Word. Uh, but really, it was when the opportunity presented itself, and there was a young mm-hmm. man. Uh, I was I think I was a senior in college at the time. Uh, a young man uh, that attended the church, and he uh, he was first time visitor. No one knew who he was. Um, just moved here from out of town. And I think the very next day, that Monday, uh, me and my, I think she might have been my girlfriend or fiance at the time, but we went to go visit him and just say, hey, thanks for visiting our church. Appreciate you coming. Um, and he came back the following week. And later on, uh, we, we've become great friends. He's still a member at our church today. And uh, he, he said we were the only church who ever followed up with him, who, who showed um, that it, it wasn't just about the Sunday morning that we see him. It was, you know. We actually went to go see him at his house, and he told me uh, to this day that he he had his guards up when we visited. I uh, I think he had some weapons in the house that he was not living in the greatest of neighborhoods. So he didn't know who we were. He didn't know we were going to visit. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, once he saw who we were, he, he laid his arms down. But uh, but it was I think I approached Pastor Stewart and said, "Hey, this guy, you know, he he has a testimony of knowing Christ. You know, I think he's he's hungry and wants to learn." Um, what do we do? And I don't remember the exact wording, but pastor basically told me, Hey, you, you go find, you, you go talk to him. You, I mean, basically mm-hmm. the way that everything I've taught you, uh, it's your job to, to start teaching this guy. And so I didn't really feel prepared. I didn't really feel like, Oh man, that that's, you know, that's the, I, I did think that's either the pastor's job or that's someone who's, you know, more in leadership or, or their job. But he said, no, this, this is the job that God has given you. And so, I'm still discipling him to this day, and he is uh, an asset to the church. He is being used mightily of God. And so it was just to answer the question, it was as God give it, gave me an opportunity for that person who walked through the doors, uh, I simply took it. 
Pastor Stewart, how did you come to the decision that he was the one that was re- that he was ready to take care of it? Well, I would evaluated it by just simply looking at the fact that he's he is practicing what he's been taught. He's mm-hmm. putting it into action. He is involved in the work of the ministry. The Lord is working in his life. And because he had already completed all of the 16 lessons, uh, I felt like it was time for him to, uh, this was an opportunity. God gave him a ministry to this young man. And uh, this was another young man that we adopted. Uh, he got saved in another location. Uh, God brought him here. And uh, what an interesting and, and wonderful story that is. Uh, maybe we can interview him at some time as well. But, uh, you know, when when God brings us somebody, somebody's got to either adopt them or, or lead them to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so in this case, I felt like uh, Craig was far enough along that he could pass on. And, and really, the longer we wait before we start passing on the truth that we've learned, the, the potential for us to get stagnant in our growth is. And so right. uh, we're looking for uh, opportunities for people to to be able to, once they are far enough down the road, why can't you point everybody down to where you, at least you can bring them to the level that you've been brought to. So we wanted to get him busy uh, working in the, in, the, in the ministry of discipleship. And so we started him discipling this other gentleman. Craig, how long ago were you saved at this point? And how long were you in the, uh, I guess, you know, I know you're always learning, but how long were you in the early stages of discipleship? And then how long was it before you um, got to, I guess, to, to where you are now, the positions that you hold now, if you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I got saved in the fall of 2011. Um, I actually got I got saved by myself reading God's word. I, uh, I So I didn't record the actual date, but I know when it happened and where mm-hmm. it happened. It had, so he, I, I know I got saved around, it was around October of 2011, and then he started pastoring in November of 2011. So it was within a month of him starting pastoring uh, here at our church. And we uh, we got connected. It must have been pretty quickly because um, I, I think I was encouraged, you know, hey, talk talk with talk with your pastor at your church. By Somebody must have either said that or I, I simply just wanted to. I don't remember exactly how long, but it was... It was quick. I mean, it was within a few months. And Pastor's actually bringing up a date book right here. It was January 31st of when we first started our uh, going through discipleship and him discipling me. So that was that would be, I guess, around three or four months. Um, so it was pretty quickly. I, I'm sure we had some discussions before that, before we had our first, you know, meeting of and sitting down and going through the scriptures. But, you know, what Pastor Stewart has um uh, really hammered into me, and I'll say God hammered into me since then, is that you, you can start discipling. So you don't have to sit down at a desk across from one another to mm-hmm. start discipleship. You really you right. can start discipling someone as soon as you meet them on evaluating where are they at spiritually and what is their need, what is their spiritual need. And so I'm sure he started discipling me before that, but uh, that's uh, at least the first uh, you know, uh, official time that we started meeting. Uh, so what positions do you now hold within the church? Um, what what ministries are you now involved in? So I'm a, I'm a deacon at the church. I'm the adult Sunday school class teacher, which I've been teaching for three or four years now. Um, and I involved in many other things, but, uh, but those are the two of the primary roles that I serve uh, here at our church. And it's, uh, I remember when I first became a deacon, I approached Pastor Stewart and said, hey, I, I don't want a title. I don't, you know, necessarily want to be a deacon, but I said, hey, I realize one of my 
one of my primary roles here as a member at Calvary is, is to do some of the physical things that will free you up, free my pastor up from, in order to study the word of God, to pray and to minister. And mm-hmm. so um, we had a few deacons at the time and I think pastor prayed about it. And after a few weeks or a few months, um, I, I, we took it to a vote at our church and we, I became a deacon. Um, so that, uh, I don't know how long ago that would have been now, but right around three years. So maybe around, probably right around when I started teaching the Sunday school class as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's, I mean, God convicted me. I think I was reading, uh, it's in acts. I can't remember what chapter, but where it says, Hey, uh, look at among you faithful men. Uh, cause it's, it's not meet for us to leave the, uh, leave the scriptures. And so, uh, the first deacons of the church and I was reading that, that passage. and I was like, man, I, I want to free up my pastor. I want him to be able to study more and pray more mm-hmm. because I know I'll grow more if he's growing and others at my church will be growing as well. And so God just, he put that in my heart and uh, that's sort of how that happened. And then the the Sunday school class, uh, there was an older gentleman who was teaching that class before me. He got sick and um, he died soon after getting sick. But as he was still sick and had a few weeks left to live, um, he approached me and said, hey, hey brother, can, can you to take take the reins on this at least temporarily in, unless until I get healthy again. Uh, he didn't get healthy again. He ended up passing. But um, so it was just, again, it just sort of the opportunity presented itself. And I was mm-hmm. teaching the young adults class at the time. We didn't have much of a class, so it was sort of sporadic. We had one, maybe up to three uh, young adults at the time coming on a weekly basis, but it was many times there was nobody who came. And so I had, I had, you know, been preparing lessons, but nobody to give it to. Uh, and it was a little bit of a letdown at times, but then God presented this opportunity in uh, the adult Sunday school class. And I, I didn't feel prepared at all. I was like, man, there's people in this class that are twice my age who've been attending church much longer than I have, who've been saved longer mm-hmm. than I have. Um, but I, how can I tell God no? And how can I decline this awesome opportunity? And it's been just one of the most mm-hmm. wonderful opportunities of ministry and growth in my own life of of diving into the scriptures each week, studying it out and, and giving that to others. It's just, it's, it's amazing what God's done. Right. Has your physical youth been a problem at all? It is not. No. Um, I've, I've discipled, there was a a man who passed away about a year ago, year or two ago now. Um, and he was almost twice my age. He was, um, he was a new believer. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he had, he had some issues in his life, but, uh, God said, Hey, I want you to disciple him. And he, uh, he respected respected me, and uh, at first I was like, "Man, it, it is." It was I don't want to use the word awkward, but it was almost awkward saying, "You know, this guy's older than me. He should, mm-hmm. you know, know, know more than me." But then God convicted me and said, "Hey, you know, he's a new believer. He may be physically older, but he's he's a he's a newborn babe in Christ, and so he he needs you." Right. So no age age has never been been an issue. That's good. And then honestly, I think the reason why I enjoy your story with Pastor Stewart so much is because it, to me, it, it is a reflection of how it's supposed to be. Um, because you're, you're a guy who comes to know Christ, who knows absolutely nothing. And you're brought along to the point where you are now, where you're actually teaching Sunday school, where you're a deacon of the church, where you're serving, um, in a capacity that most people don't get the opportunity to, not everybody can be a deacon, um, but you, you've been brought to this point through discipleship. And it's a case study, if you will, in uh, the way things are supposed to go. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. And Pastor Stewart, unless you have any other questions, I think that's pretty much a wrap. I just want to say that it's been a, a joy 
to be uh, just a small part and to see God do what he has done in this relationship and in this mm-hmm. young man's life. But also, uh, he's not just a young man anymore. He's a married man now with uh, two children. And uh, God has allowed me to be a part of uh, a lot of the big events that uh, have taken place in his life. And so uh, just to be uh, be able to pastor a family and see this family growing and maturing in the Lord has been a, a true blessing and a, a true uh, just as Paul said, a joy uh, mm. in our walk with the Lord. And the theme of this podcast is passing things on that you know, right? And so Amen. you took the time, passed it into Craig's life. Craig, how many people have you discipled at this point? Two, I would say. Um, I've, I've attempted many more, but none that have really stuck, so two. Mm-hmm. So what, what I'm getting at here is, Pastor, you discipled one guy, which you've discipled more than that, but in Craig's case, you know he's he's one guy. He's now discipled two people, um, and currently discipling, I imagine. So the the point I'm making is, your one just became two. Amen. Then it became three, and could become many, many, many more just because you took the time to invest what you knew into one guy. And um, and that's how it's supposed to be done. Yes, so that's good. We'll we'll call that a wrap. And uh, join us next week. We'll have another episode, uh, possibly another interview. So uh, if you could uh, tune in, and we'll move on, uh, continue talking about having a life of discipleship. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for this episode of General Order Four. On the next episode, we're going to continue our discussion on having a life of discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter, at generalorder4. Please like, share, and subscribe.